Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. So today I want to talk about worry. Say worry. Worry is one of those things that can just kind of get at you and just kind of work on you, you know? But Jesus said something really interesting in Matthew chapter 6. This is like smack dab in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5 through 7. And in this particular chapter, it's interesting to me, Jesus is talking about prayer, how to pray. He's talking about fasting. He's talking about the importance of not being, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and you can't serve mammon. But then toward the end, he says this. He says, so, say so, do not worry about tomorrow. Now think about this for just a moment. Jesus says, do not worry. Other translations say, take no thought or be troubled with cares. It actually means in the Greek to be anxious, uh, having these cares. He says, do not worry about tomorrow. Why? For tomorrow will worry about itself. Now, as I was going through these notes this morning, I'm just sitting out having my coffee and Kristen comes out, she's getting ready in the other room, and, and she comes in. I said, man, I said, you know what's so cool about Jesus? I said, Jesus was doing psychology before we even really knew what it was about. Sometimes it's so easy to read the life of Jesus and just think, you know, Jesus was just this, this rabbi who just said some good stories, or maybe we go super spiritual. Maybe we thought he floated two inches off the ground the whole time and had a halo around his head. But the truth is, Jesus was dealing with the heart of people. He really wanted us to begin to this process of of touching base or being in touch with who we truly were, who we always were. From the story of the garden, the, the story never changed, us being created in the image and likeness of God. And so as he's talking to these people, which, by the way, in this time, there was a lot going on. I mean, Rome was occupying you know, Israel, Israel was under siege. There was crucifixions every day. It wasn't just in one place. You could go up and down the road and you could just see lines and lines and lines of people hanging on crosses, maybe dead, maybe rotting, maybe being eaten by the birds, maybe half breath. I mean, you know, like we can't fathom that. We go down Main Street and we're like, oh man, the trees aren't flowering yet. This was a whole different thing. You know, taxation was high. People were literally, some people were starving. It was tough to feed the family. I believe a lot of people followed Jesus because they thought maybe, just maybe he'll do a miracle again and give me something to eat. It wasn't just about, wow, Jesus is amazing. Now, Jesus was amazing. But in the midst of all these things going on, Jesus says, so do not worry about tomorrow. (laughs) Why? For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. And then we see that the Apostle Paul kind of resonates. He uses the same exact word in Philippians 4, 6, when he says, do not be anxious for anything. There's the word again, anxious, worry, take thought, take no thought. It's this Greek word, merim now, and it means anxiety. It's the word anxiety. But get this, it's through the idea of distraction. So it's not just I'm anxious because I woke up one day and I was anxious. You're anxious because you're distracted 
See, thought life. Take no thought. And this is actually, it comes from the root word maritzo, which means to divide. See, this is interesting to me because, again, what do we do? We always try to go layers down in the scripture. What is Jesus really saying? It's kind of tough. Like, it'd be great if we could speak Aramaic or then translate it into Greek or, you know, of course, translate it into other languages. We end up with English, which is beautiful that so many passages do uh, maintain kind of the feel and the flow of what's going on. But some, sometimes just one word can change things, right? And so we do our best to try to break this down, but... What I see here is Jesus came to show us. One thing he said, this was powerful, is he said, repent. Now, anyone here know what repent means? To turn around, that's more of an Old Testament, but like New Testament Greek means to change your mind. So Jesus, because sometimes we hear the word repent, and what happens? We get this negative connotation, right? Repent. Uh, we've heard the preachers, they had an A to the end, and it's really like, repent. Uh, and you get down to the altar because you're like, man, i I, I got to get saved again, right? But this word repent, picture Jesus saying, hey, change your mind. You've been thinking wrong. There's so much about thinking in here. Did you see this? As the man thinks in his heart, so is he. What you think about yourself is who you think you are. And if you think you're a dirty, rotten, good-for-nothing sinner that has no connection to God, guess how you're going to act? But if you think that you're close and you're clean and you're righteous and you're loved, guess how you're going to act? See, I've discovered this in my own life. And so no longer did I have to run on the the treadmill of religion and try to please God somehow. The only thing that pleases God is trust without faith. Faith is what pleases God. What is faith? God, I trust you. I trust your story about me. I trust what you say about me. If you say I'm made in your image and likeness, then even though I don't see it, and when I look in the mirror, I see all the bad, I see all the things I've done wrong. Guess what? Those things you've done wrong in those actions, first of all, when you look in the mirror and you see that and it bothers you, that's good. Because you're seeing that it doesn't go along with who you truly are made to be. But it's in those moments we begin to go, oh, so the way that I change my behavior, the way that I change those actions and those words is by getting in touch with who I truly am. It's not magic. It's not something magic. There's not spoken words that change you into something. You've always been that person. But the apostles say to awaken to your righteousness. Say, wake up. We need to awaken to it. And so the takeaway, at least for me here, when I see Jesus saying these words, do not worry about tomorrow, is that sometimes, and maybe I'm the only one, I think all of us can deal with this, sometimes we get so caught up in our tomorrow that we forget about our today. I know in my own life it's like, okay, wait, wait, I'm future casting. I'm looking at things that may or may not happen. And how many notice sometimes those things actually don't happen? And you stressed for days and days and days about something that didn't happen? No, sometimes they do. So Jesus is saying, don't worry about tomorrow. Bring focus to your today. What he's not saying is that tomorrow doesn't matter. Right? What I mean is, I don't believe that he's saying, don't worry, like don't have any thought about tomorrow. In fact, Let's look at the message translation. I think this will bring us a lot more clarity to what Jesus is saying. Eugene Peterson puts it beautifully here. Look at this, Matthew 6.34 in the message. 
Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Ooh, I like that. How about you? Give your entire attention. Say entire attention. It's kind of like class, right? I have you repeat after me so you remember. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. It doesn't mean that, you know, I've said it before, wouldn't it be great if you prayed the prayer of salvation and you're, you're in the family now and someone gives you the brochure of what to do next and then everything goes perfect. And, you know, the people of the world, you know, you're going to work and they're like, man, I have heartache. You're like, I don't have heartache anymore. Everything's perfect. We know that's not true, right? So we know those things will come, but the cool thing is that God will help us deal with that and those hard things whenever they come. In fact, just a couple of verses earlier in verse 27, I love this. Jesus says, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Now, when I was a kid, I was like, does that mean like height? No, the, the cubit is a unit of measure, right? But the word stature means age or time of life. He's literally saying, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? How, can, how many know this? And this is so cool. This is what I love about Jesus. He knew things before we knew things. How many know that stress and worry and anxiety can lead to an early grave? Science has proven it. And Jesus is saying, listen, things are going to come. He's warned us several times. Offense is going to come. Things will come. Those traps will be set. Trust me, they will. But don't worry about tomorrow. Let's stay focused. Let's be in the present. We could sum it up like this. We have been called to live for today, not tomorrow. How many have heard the saying carpe diem? It means make the most of the present moment. So why not embrace your today, right? Jump in the water, learn that new skill, spend time with your loved ones, develop relationship with friends and family, hike that trail that you've always wanted to hike, maybe share your story with a coworker, be generous today. Why wait? That's what I feel Jesus is saying, why wait? Enjoy life. And you know, as you get older, and some of you are like, oh, you're still a youngin. I know, Sometimes my knees and my back tell me otherwise when I first get up. Yeah, hello. But, and I don't, I don't think I'm living with regret, but there are certain things where I start to go, okay, I have to make this focus and priority. My family, our vacation time, being with the ones I love, making sure that I tell someone I love them making sure that I share a smile and a kind word with someone. Now, I'm all about planning for the future. I think that's important. Some of us don't plan enough, and then we get to the, the end, you know, the last phase. We're like, whoa, what happened? So Jesus isn't saying that. But there's something about being present and being in the moment. Uh, my youngest son, Aiden, I'll tell you, he lives in the moment like no one else. How many, anyone? Yeah, I see the smiles. You guys know who Aiden is. Uh, he lives so much in the moment with so much passion that sometimes it gets on my nerves. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm just being honest. But here's the thing. I'm trying to do my best, especially when you have uh, a child later in life. You know, when you, our oldest is 32, youngest Aiden is 12, 6th grade, going on 13. And, and so, you know, you get tired 
And so sometimes you get maybe a little little less flexible. And I'm trying to be flexible because the one thing I don't want to do to any of my children is to stifle who they are. And the thing about Aiden is, is that same thing that can get on my last nerve at times, it really inspires others. It makes others feel encouraged in life. But I remember this particular time, I may have told some of you this story, uh, the men's group went to a Tigers baseball game. And you know, we were really excited. This is Aiden's first time, I believe Ethan's as well, very first time going to the Tiger Stadium. And so when we drove into Detroit, uh, we thought, hey, let's just park a little ways out. It's a little bit cheaper. We'll have to walk a ways, but that's okay. We can just walk through Detroit. And so we're walking, you know, for a while. Excuse me. And, you know, as we're walking along, I mean, it's, it's kind of wild. You can see complete poverty and then all this money. It's just what a mix, right? And they've done a lot to the city down there. But obviously, they haven't taken care completely of homelessness or anything like that. And so as we're going down the street, there was this gentleman who was asking for money. He's literally just there on the side of the road asking for money. And, and I'm like, oh, man, did I, I don't normally carry cash, and I'm looking around. Well, as we're walking, we had actually left service on that Sunday to go to the game. And so it was kind of like we got to get down there. We're kind of in a rush. And so we didn't have time to really go out and eat. And so most of us just went through a drive through Well, Aiden was still eating his lunch. He had it, you know, in a bag, and he's just kind of munching away. And he looks at me, and he goes, Dad, I got like half my lunch left. Should I just give it to him? And I was like, wow, I didn't even think about that. I'm like, whatever you want to do. He's like, hey, man, I don't have, I don't have the whole lunch, but here's, here's my lunch. Do you want the rest? Man, this guy just perks up, smile on his face, beams. He was like so thankful for that lunch. You know, I love that about Aiden. I love that he's spontaneous and he has a passion for people. And even though, you know, he was probably hungry, but he doesn't go without eating, doesn't go without food. In fact, I don't know about you as parents. Do you guys have this problem where, like, you want your kids to ask for food? And you've said it. I know it's tough. You've only said it a million and two times, but, like, they still have snacks and wrappers in their, in their room? Yeah, okay, not just me. So he doesn't go without food. But my point is he gave his lunch to this man. Why? He seized that moment. He seized that time right there. He wanted to live in that moment and do that passion and say, can I share this meal with you? I think it's so important. And I think it's rather funny that, you know, we as parents, we teach our children so many things in life. Um, You know, oftentimes, um, you know, we're the ones teaching. But have you noticed sometimes they're the ones that teach us? Because they, they still have the innocence. They have what Scripture calls that childlike faith. There's no inhibitions. I think through the course of life, we face discouragements and letdowns. And somehow we learn to turn off the creativity. We learn to turn off living in the moment, you know, the passions that we had in life. And it's so easy. When things come against you and it's one discouragement after another, it's so easy to do that. But what does Jesus call us to do? He says, I want you to live for today, not in tomorrow. Because so many times, and I'm guilty of this too, It's so easy to be in that moment and go, oh, and all you see is the negative and the things like that. And so you want to look to the future and go, okay, one day, sometime. But what if in those moments we said, Holy Spirit, help help clear away the slate of my mind so I can find even just one thing to be thankful for. You know, sometimes it's important that we take time to look at what's right in front of us. 
our husband, our wife, our significant other, our family, our friendships, the wins and successes that we've had that day. What does it do? It brings an appreciation and a thankfulness that both Jesus and the apostles tell us to live by, to be thankful, to be grateful. If you look at Jesus, every time he prayed, he started out by saying, thank you, Father. That was his life. When you see the apostle Paul, He's so thankful about what God has done. He's so thankful about his new life in Christ. He's so thankful about the old being gone and the new being there reborn within him. He's so thankful for those that have surrounded you know, themselves, uh, surrounded him with themselves in these congregations and these churches, even when they're acting crazy like the Corinthians, even when they lost sight of the gospel of grace to the Galatians. He still calls them saints. He calls them brothers and sisters. And this is a man who faced death on a daily basis. He went from being, you know, the, the uh, high priest sent one to kill this way, to kill Christians, to being a Christian, to preaching the way. And so this was his life every single day. So, again, we've been called to live for today, not tomorrow Another thing that's really interesting, and this is probably one of those things that can kind of change our perspective, or I've noticed this when Jesus tells parables, it's meant to throw us off kilter. It's meant to, like he'll have characters that do things they shouldn't be doing. He'll move things around on purpose to get you to think. Because when you think something's going to go one way and then it does a left turn, you're like, whoa, what just happened? That's how Jesus works. And so even this morning when Pastor Kristen said that God's not in control, I know some people are like, what? what? I heard all my life. But see, that's something that we have to really think through. See, if God's in complete control of everything, then that means that he's okay with rape and murder? Uh, that means he's okay with sex trafficking? I mean, think about Think this through. If God's in complete control and he's letting those happen, it must mean he's okay with them. But see, in the story, we were given dominion. And, and sometimes man makes really bad decisions, bad decisions that hurt others. We're not saying God's not sovereign, right? But he's not in control. He gave us control. And when you think about this, here's another one. When Jesus and the apostles, when they presented the gospel, when they preached the gospel, do you realize that they very rarely, if ever, talked about the future? Go through 17, 18 gospel messages in Acts. Not once do they say, hey, if you pray this prayer, you'll go someplace later in life. I'm not trying to mess with you, but I want us to think, I want us to think this through. Listen, the scriptures tell us that all spirits return to God, right? We're told that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's a done deal. I'm not concerned about that. I do not, maybe years ago, I don't fret and worry about where I'm going to be in eternity. I'm going to be with God. But what about now? When the apostles preached the gospel, when Jesus preached the gospel, he was talking to you here and now. Do you follow me? It says they would preach the gospel and people would believe. They would trust that what's being said is true. And it says then they added to the church that day. They were followers of Jesus. 
So I want us to, to understand here that the gospel is not about a future thing. Yes, I know eternity exists, and I know I'll be there, but what about now? This is what Jesus is addressing. He always addressed what about the now. When people would ask, when a Jew would ask Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Many of you know this. Eternal life, we've kind of Western evangelized things to a place where we think eternal life is living forever. That's not what it meant to a Jew. Eternal life was the best, the highest level of living here now, according to Torah. That's what they were asking. What must we do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said one thing, believe on me. Well, wait, no, what else, Jesus? I mean, what, I, got, I got to do this. No, believe in me, the one that God sent. Okay, so what do I do, Jesus? Well, I ask you to change your mind and see that the kingdom of God's within you. Okay, you're making this too simple, Jesus. I need Jesus is talking to a people who were used to the, the Big Ten, and then by this time it was like 613 rules and regulations to follow, right? And so they were used to rules. They were used to parameters. Listen, that's not much different than today. If you go to most churches today, there's rules, there's parameters, there's things set up you need to do, you need to not do, you need to go this way, you need to not go that way. And you know what's interesting? Is Jesus said, there's one command I give you. Love others as I've loved you. You're making it too simple, Jesus. I know. He doesn't want to make it hard. But if you really want to sum it up, in Luke chapter 4, what was Jesus really here to do? Because I know we have our ideas, but, but even if you don't believe me, will you believe Jesus? Jesus one day walks into the temple and he goes up to the front. They would all join together, and they would read portions of Scripture. And so they pull out the scroll of Isaiah. And Jesus is the one reading this. And so he begins to read in Luke 4. Look at this. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel, or the good news, to the poor. Now, how many know this? That news is something that's already happened and you're talking about it. So Jesus is saying, I've come to preach something, this is wild, that's already happened <laughs> because he has anointed me to do this. Look at this. He has sent me to what? Heal the brokenhearted. We could literally say to heal our minds, that word heart in the Greek. We're not believing right. We're not thinking right. We're not seeing things correctly. Repent. The kingdom of God is within you. Awaken to your righteousness, your true calling, your true destiny. You're made in the image and likeness of God. Why are you not acting like it? Why are you not, let's say this a better way, why are you not being who I've called you to be? Because you don't even know you are. That's why the Apostle Paul uses orphan language. Some people know. Orphans have a family, right? People aren't just like, poof, I'm here. Like, there's a family. So you came from somewhere, but an orphan doesn't know who their family is. The gospel is awakening us to our true family. Isn't that beautiful? So he said, I came to preach the good news to the poor. I'm anointed to do this. To heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. Not just physical, right? Jesus said to Nicodemus, in order to be born again, you must... See, perceive the kingdom. And where did Jesus say the kingdom was? 
within us. Ruby's been listening. Come on, this is powerful. I know this is a rock, maybe your idea of evangelism. That's okay. It doesn't mean we don't preach. It says if, if there's no preacher to preach, how are people going to hear? We have to say, right? Devin said it this morning. Sometimes we have to use our words. We have to, through our life, say things. So that doesn't rule out evangelism. But here's the thing. People aren't praying magic prayers to become something they weren't. They're awakening to what God has already made them to be. The garden story never changed. If that's true, then that means that man is more powerful than God. That means, get this, that first Adam is more powerful than last Adam. See, Jesus wasn't called second. He was called last Adam. Why? It's the last. It's done. I did it right. I followed what I was called to do. And now all of creation can be born into this. Isn't that cool? I'm not trying to get too deep this morning. But look at this, recover of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, he preaches this, or reads this, I should say. It says, then he closed the book, he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And this is interesting, it says, and all the eyes of those who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. Like, dude, what's going on here? Well, first of all, he didn't finish the Isaiah Part. He cut out the part of God's vengeance and vindication. So something needs to be said about that, right, Tom? Why would Jesus cut that out? Well, Jesus did a lot of things. He said a lot of things and cut a lot of things out. Do you remember when James and John were coming out of a city, Samaritan town that didn't receive them, and James and John, totally Old Testament, you know, Jewish boys, said, should we call fire down upon them just as Elijah did? And Jesus said, heck yeah, and got his ramp. No, he didn't. What did he say? He goes, you don't know what spirit you speak of. He said, I didn't come to, to destroy. I came to give life. What was Jesus doing there? <laughs> he was calling out a major prophet. He's saying that prophet didn't get it right. He didn't quite understand. That's not how we operate. I know this is hard. I know some of you are bristling like, whoa, what's going on here? Jesus did it, not me. And then Jesus cuts out the part about vengeance, and he closes the book, and they were waiting for it, like, yeah, wait, here it comes, man. Rome is going to get it. He didn't say it. And so why do you think their eyes were fixed on him? Because they're like, okay, maybe when he sits down, he's going to like, he, he's, oh, he's pausing for emphasis. He really wants to. And then he says this. They were waiting for it. He says, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. If Jesus had a mic, it would have been dropped right there. Now, after this, they wanted to kill him, right? They tried to throw him off a cliff. Why? You're not operating according to our standards. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Today, this is fulfilled. What? I'm preaching the good news to the poor. I'm here to heal the brokenhearted, to bring liberty to the captives, to give recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's all there is. God is good, and God is good all the time. But will you see it? Will you awaken to it? Isn't that beautiful? This is the gospel in a nutshell. But here we are. Jesus says, so do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. In other words, be present. Maybe, maybe for some of us, in the midst of that worry and anxiety, and really all worry is, is it's looking to the future and coming up with ideas and stories of what may or may not happen. 
And Jesus is saying, stop playing that game. Stop getting yourself all riled up into this frenzy. It doesn't mean we don't have emotions, but Jesus is trying to put that in check. Jesus is doing psychology. He's like, guys, take some deep breaths. I want you to focus on today because you can't grow. You can't add you know, another inch to your stature. You can't uh, add more life, another hour to your life by worrying. I want you to be present in this moment right here and right now. And so I believe there's three things I want to go over just quickly to help us understand what is Jesus saying. Number one, say number one. You have purpose here and now. Say, I have purpose here and now. Not later, but here and now. Look at this in Matthew chapter 5, just one chapter before. Jesus said, here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I put you there on the hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Say shine. Keep open house. I love this next part. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. This sounds like someone who's living in the present, doesn't it? Look at this. Be generous with your lives. I love this next part. This gets me going. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Think about this. Our generosity, our giving spirit, um, a life led by love, even in the midst of circumstances of that day, what does this do? It prompts people to open up to God, to see that there's something different in you. I want to know what that's like. How do you have peace that surpasses all understanding in the circumstances you're going through? It doesn't mean you're not emotional. It doesn't mean you're not feeling things. But how do you have peace in these moments? How in the heck do you keep your joy in these moments? You seem strong. Yeah, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Do you see this? Why? We have been called to live for today, not in tomorrow. So number one, you have purpose here and now. Number two, say number two. We were made for here, not hereafter. Wow. See, one thing that I never say, and you'll never hear us sing a song, and listen, I love people. We're all on a journey. I don't have it all right. I just, I've told you before, I've got 12 years of teaching notes, and I can go back even five years, God forbid, 10, and go, what did I believe then? Because I'm on a journey. What did I preach to people? Lord, forgive me. He's like, why? That's where you were. So this is never a way to talk condescending or look down my nose at people. But one thing I never say is heaven is my home. Because heaven isn't my home. Earth is my home. I'm, again, again, I'm just going to go with what God does here in Genesis 1:26 through 28. God spoke, let us make human beings. Say, I'm a human being, not a human doing. Let us make human beings in our image, make them reflecting our, reflecting our nature so they can be responsible, say responsible, for the fish in the sea and the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, earth itself. Did you catch this? Earth itself and every animal that moves on the face of earth. God created human beings. He created them God-like, reflecting God's nature. Say, that's me. He created them male and female. God blessed them. Prosper, reproduce, fill what? Earth. Take what? 
charge. You're in control. Be responsible for fish in the sea and birds in the air, for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. This isn't my idea. This is God's idea. And it hasn't changed. God made you for here. Listen, if you want to say, I can't wait to be in heaven one day, that's okay. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying we're so future-oriented that we forget about the present. There's literally people who are like, I don't care about the planet. It's all going to burn up anyway. Jesus is going to come back tomorrow and take me away. I'm like, well, the next day I'm like, well, he didn't, so now what are you going to do? Not saying Jesus won't return. Not saying there's no heaven. Kingdom of heaven is actually within you. But I'm not saying there's no heaven. Let heaven out. Do you know that Jesus even prayed that the disciples would stay and not go? Jesus, you're messing with us. I know. Jesus has messed with the mind. I already told you my notes are just jacked up five, six, 10, 11 years ago. What did I believe? Well, I believed what I knew. And so I'm moving to a new place. Do I have it all out? Nope. And if you want to, come talk to me afterward and, and, and explain to me why I could be wrong. I love to hear it. I'm, complete, I'm an open book. I want to know. I want to learn. But from what I see, God created human beings in his image and likeness, put us in the earth, put us in the garden. And you know what? We've walked away from that garden, but I believe that garden is within, and he wants us to let the garden back out, to, to bring the kingdom of heaven to this world. That is what this world needs. So I'm not trying to be controversial. I'm trying to say, okay, God, okay, Jesus, what are you telling me? I, I don't want to go with the script of, you know, Western theology. I want to go with what you say to do. Does that make sense? You, do you see my heart? And then Paul writes in Ephesians 2.10, one of my favorite verses. I, I would use this every time um, I would uh, teach the, the next step classes, and I would mainly teach discovering your gifts. And I love this. It says, we have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. For we, for we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one, even before we were born. Are you catching this? <laughs> Even before we were born, this is wild to me. You ever notice sometimes you read this stuff and your mind goes blank because there's some stuff you'll never understand and never know. See, when we put ourselves in the time frames and all this, there's so much more going on. It's kind of like the Matrix, right? It's kind of like, sometimes I think these movies are people just almost inspired and peering into something that's there that we quite don't see yet. Does that make sense? I don't know, at least me. I'm a creative I like to think these things. But even before we were born, look at God planned in advance our destiny and the what? Good works we would do to fulfill it. Listen, good works aren't for heaven. Good works are for earth. Now, I know I I just heard someone. I heard someone go, well, the Bible says we are not of this world. That's right. The world's a system. It didn't say we're not of the earth. It says we're not of the world. Look that word up in the original language. It's a system. It's a way of thinking and doing. We are not of that thinking and doing system. We are of a kingdom system, which goes completely against the grain of the world system. Does that make sense? I love the earth, man. I love taking care of it. I love mowing the lawn. My wife loves planting flowers. We love doing our part to even, you know, whether it's recycling or giving back or doing, plant a tree, do something. I love this earth. God gave it to me. How many, we love to camp. 
Sometimes I'll just lay there in my zero gravity chair and go, don't I have something to do? And Holy Spirit says, nope, just lay there and look at those beautiful clouds I made for you. It's awesome. Brings me peace. Why? We have been called to live for today, not in tomorrow. Number three, we're going to wrap up with this. Jesus took care of tomorrow so you can live today. Say it is finished. Look at how Paul describes the victory that Christ obtained for us through his death, burial, and resurrection. If you look at 1 Corinthians 15, starting with verse 54, it's our last scripture for this morning. It says, And when that which is mortal puts on immortality, and what now decays is exchanged for what will never decay, then the scripture will be fulfilled that says, Death is swallowed up by a triumphant victory. So death, tell me, where is your victory? Tell me, where is your sting? I love 56. It is sin that gives death its sting and the law that gives sin its power. You ever notice this? When you try to live by the letter of the law, it seems like you just keep sinning. You might willpower for a while, then all of a sudden it's like, it's like, what happened, man? Because it's not about living according to law. It's living according to the life of the spirit that God has given us, the law of love. Look at 57. But we thank God for giving us the victory as conquerors through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. So now, say now. Does it say later? Ah, present. So now, stand firm, stable, and enduring. Live your lives with an unshakable confidence. We know that we prosper and excel in every season by serving the Lord because we are assured that our union, remember, we're not in life alone. We're not doing this journey alone, right? We know that our union with the Lord makes our labor productive with fruit that, what? Endures. Jesus conquered death by taking care of the sin problem. The sin problem is what's holding us back from living. And I've said this before, but I'll say it again. Sin is living out of false identity. It's not knowing who you are and whose you are. And it will cause you to shrink back in your life, to not, to not embrace the present in the, t- in the today, in those moments. Knowing who you are causes you to step out by faith and embrace your call to embrace your today. So think about this. God has completely forgiven you. You are awakening, even if it's a slow awakening, to your true purpose in this life. And as far as God's concerned, it's settled. Stop worrying about, am I okay? Does God see them? Yes, God sees you as you truly are. And you know what God does? God speaks to those things that are not as though they were. The one thing you won't get from God is, see, I knew you were like that when you screw up. He'll say, uh-uh, you're not seeing who you truly are. This is who you are. You're righteous and pleasing and holy and acceptable. I know for some of you that's hard, but you don't know what I did last night. I don't, but God does, and he still says you're righteous and pleasing and holy and acceptable. But will you believe it? When you believe it, you'll begin to walk in it. So again, we have been called to live for today, not in tomorrow. Think about that. You bring something unique to your family, to your friends, to your church, and to this world. So I implore you, begin today, live today, be you today. You receive that? Will you stand with me?
I just want to close in prayer this morning. So if you just maybe bow your head, close your eyes. What I'd like to do, I don't normally do this. I just normally just talk to God with us together. But I love this prayer that the Apostle Paul says over the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 1. And so I want to read this powerful prayer over you as you meditate on these words. So as I'm saying, just meditate on what Paul's saying here and receive this for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those who he has called his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, I love this, it's not later, now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. That's us. Say, that's me. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Say, all things everywhere are filled with Christ. That includes me. Holy Spirit, I just pray that these words are sealed in our hearts that we see that we are called and we have purpose in this life. We're not here by accident. We're here by design. You've already created in advance before we were born every good work, every calling, every gift that we could ever imagine in our life. I just pray that we would awaken to that. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. So again, I encourage you, decide today to live for today, not in tomorrow. It doesn't mean we can't plan. It doesn't mean that we can't think things through. But sometimes we just need to bring things down, take a deep breath, and say, Holy Spirit, is there one thing that I can be thankful for today? And here's the thing. If you do this practice, you'll start to find more than one. And sometimes it's just doing this. I'm so glad Kay's in my life. Uh, don't, don't interrupt me. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You do that every day, don't you, Bruce? I'm so glad Tom's in my life. Mo, I'm so glad you're in my life. You're like, are those are your three favorite? Yes. No. Don't get offended if I didn't say your name. My point, sometimes it's just going, there's that friend who's always there for me. Maybe I should tell them what's going on in my life, and they can be there for me. They can pray with me. They can see me through the process. And sometimes maybe we feel we don't have anyone. Guess what? You always have someone. Holy Spirit's right there. And maybe it's just a moment for you to, I call it a practice because it is. It's practice, practicing the presence, knowing that the presence of God is there and saying, Holy Spirit, maybe I've not talked to you in this way, but I, I just want to tell you what's on my heart. Listen, prayer is more for us than for God. God has, God has everything God would ever need 
but God desires relationship with us. And so sometimes when we pray, it's getting stuff off our chest. Peter tells us to cast our cares on him. Why? Because he cares for us. Sometimes it's in that casting that we receive and awaken to the care that he has for us. Amen. So I encourage you this week, decide to live each day, embrace that day, be present in that moment with anyone and anything in front of you. Amen. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.